You're listening to Crockpot Christianity, a listener-supported and scripture-centered podcast exploring Christianity in postmodern times. Here are your hosts, Mike Wagner and Doug Mitchell. Hello and welcome inside the Crockpot. We're going to be talking today about worshiping the God of work. Yeah, the God of work. You yeah. know that one, right? <laughs> right. There's been many idols made of it in the past. What they look like? What do they look like, though? Is it a big building carved out of wood? I don't know. Well, so so Doug, why would why would the God of work? Why would worshiping the God of work even be a title for the crockpot today? Sure. Well, I I mean personally, I see it all over the place. I see uh, I see folks who are engaged, but uh, there's something missing. There's a kind of a blank look. Um, life is moving so, so very, very fast and such a big part of their life is work. It can consume their emotional energy. It consumes their physical energy. It leaves them perhaps empty when they go home and they have nothing left for their family, for their kids. Uh, they've given their best at the office and they end up back home on the couch waiting for the anesthetization of the sitcom yeah, or the glass of wine or four or you name it, right? Just to be able to get through and get back and then kneel to that altar again in the morning. I'm, I'm, you know, that's hyperbole, but uh, I, I see it and I've done it and I've felt it and it is, uh, uh, it's become very aware to me in the last couple of years, especially that this is very easily categorized as a false idol, in my opinion. Yeah, and what, we can talk a little bit about what a idol is, what a false idol is. The the notion of um, I can imagine somebody out there, for example, thinking, "Yes, but Doug, work is absolutely necessary. Uh, how are we going to make a living?" And I've spent all this money and time and education to be able to advance my career. And yeah, I grant you that it disappoints me on a regular basis. But yeah, I, you know, so how do I kind of balance the necessity of work with this kind of obsession with work that tends to let us down on a regular basis? Yeah, that that is the million dollar question. That and, is, a, yeah. And, uh, you know, the... Uh, looking looking at it that way, I if we continue to spin on the flywheel and we can do you know the hamster wheel, day in day out, if we don't step back and gain some perspective and have some foundation and some grounding, it can really really get away from us. And I I, I know that work is important. Work mm-hmm. is important. Some for some of us, it has been your identity. Um, you know, at a, at a time or place in life where work was the thing and you're building your, your legacy, your career, you're building a reputation. You want to do well. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do well for yourself, do well for your family. Um, I've seen, and I've felt, uh, the, the emptiness that that can bring at the end of the day though. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what, folks in in the audience uh, for this podcast are going to be asking themselves and they're going to be confronting is I'm running a hundred miles an hour. I'm doing what I'm told to do. I'm perhaps innovating. I'm doing creative things. I'm, I'm doing work and I'm succeeding. Mm -hmm. Why do I feel 
so empty at the end of it? Well, I mean, one of the things we can start off by saying is that work is, there's a reason why we want to work that goes beyond the necessity of the pragmatics of it. We are made for work. In fact, if you look at it from a Christian worldview, as you look at uh, what the Bible teaches, you can see that work pre-exists the fall. That is, you know, God is described as a worker. He fashions like a potter when he makes man and woman. Uh, we are asked to care for the garden, which is a form of work. And the, and the Hebrew language that's used is the language of labor and work. But, and that predates the fall. So it's, it's not necessarily that work is a result of sin. It, work is actually, we're made for work. So there's, there's a part of us that really wants it, needs it. Um, and it's part of how we, we image God. If we're image bearers of God, it's, it's part of it. So that, there's a really, really good part of that. Mm-hmm. But I think the downside is this, is that when you take something that's good and you make it an ultimate um, and when it fails you, that's when idolatry starts to move in. So, you know, someone like um, Augustine would say that our problem usually is a disordering of the things that are good. So we don't make God and Christ and the grace that's found in Jesus the ultimate. We make, we get things out of order, and we put work at that top. Mm-hmm. And that's where idolatry comes coming. You know how you've done that because um, you've depended on it and expected a lot from it. And it always lets you down. And that's what I was hearing, I think, as you were talking, is just that, that sense of, I've done all these things, and I really feel kind of a letdown, a disappointment. It's not what I thought it would be. It was maybe good at one point, or there's glimpses of when it's been good. But overall, I'm lo- uh, it's, it's, a, it's a false god that's disappointing me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's... A, a very accurate description. And so when you reach that place, you reach the, you know, oh, oh, look, look how I've reordered this. I've put it at the top. What have I sacrificed to put it at the top? What have I missed? Yeah. What have I, what am I not paying attention to? What does my spouse think about how I come home and I have nothing left to give? And I sit on the couch or go into my office or sit there on my phone and try to just see, let me just catch up on the day, fall asleep on the couch. What does that, you know, that's when it comes uh, to an unfortunate reality sometimes that, oh goodness. And then, and then you realize it, but you don't exactly know what to do. Right, right. In fact, as you were talking, I was thinking about two indicators that we've made work of false God. One would be our sense of almost devastation personally when it lets us down. Mm. I got passed over for this raise. I didn't get where I thought I would get. I'm not getting the income I wanted, and I'm devastated by it. So that's an mm-hmm. indication that um, that we've actually made it a false God. So that's one. Mm-hmm. But the other one, and I think you were hitting on this just now, is we know it's a false god when we've sacrificed our firstborn, so to speak, <laughs> to it. Right, right. And still it lets us down. So I've sacrificed everything. I've sacrificed my relationship with my wife. I've um, you know, bailed on my kids, uh, all of those things. And, and the sacrifices I've made are falling apart as well. Mm-hmm. And the, so I think there's two things, personal devastation and then relational devastation are good indicators that we've got a false God somewhere kicking around in our hearts and minds and in our behavior. 
and it's time to take a fresh assessment. I think that's at that point. Yeah, yeah. Great great example, sacrificing sort of a virtual sacrifice of the firstborn. It uh, truly is. I it know, truly I know. is. And you hear people talk like the they talk the language of sacrifice. I gave up so much for this business. I wish I'd spent more time knowing you as a kid, and now you're gone from the house and you're in college. They even talk about, I've lost everything in extreme cases. I don't think that's everybody, but I've lost everything. And even if they haven't lost everything, everything has become less good. Mm -hmm. So my marriage is not what it could be. My relationship with my kids is not what it could be. And ultimately... Really, the bottom line is, I don't really know God through Christ. I don't really have relationship. I have um, kind of a a perfunctory faith where I go through the motions if I do Mm -hmm. anything. I show up most Sundays, many Sundays, not all Sundays. It's a feel-good moment, and then you know it doesn't make it all the way to the parking lot. And (laughs) I had one one of my... um, one of my professors at seminary used to say that, uh, you know, people on Sundays come with their thimble and they say, fill my thimble. And so the preacher preaches and the worship, you know, unfolds and their thimble gets full and then they get to the parking lot and they spill it before they open the door of their car. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't last. And that's another indication is that when your spiritual life doesn't seem to have any sticking power, maybe because it's not really the God you worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Interesting how how many of us uh, let's say have fallen into the trap of of worshiping that that God of work, um, coming to a place of just not really having that foundation and not knowing where where we don't have a category to put ourselves in. We just know something's off and we're we're confused about what to do about it. And we are probably going to church many Sundays. We love the music. Uh, inspirational message. I, I hear that a lot. I really love the the pastor gives good talk, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. and then I go back and I do everything I can to ready myself for the jump back onto the wheel, and you know on the Monday, let's say, and I, I don't know um, what the trigger is for some people. Some people it's more desperation. Some people need more time in the crockpot. Sometimes it's the inspirational lightning bolt. But what what can really snap somebody out of that uh, situation, that hamster wheel lifestyle, without even knowing it, and then say, "Hold on a second, I'm missing something. I believe, I believe in in the scripture at some level, right? I I mm-hmm. believe there's this religion yeah. thing, and and I and I kind of get it, but I I've not really studied it. I I mean, I hear it, and it makes me feel good, and then I go back to my life, and then they're left in the same exact spot. So what is it that's going to wake somebody up into switching from that feel good, go hear a good talk, right? Go back to the hamster wheel right? and then switch it into, wait a minute. If I actively proactively build a relationship with, with Christ and try to understand and be, um, you know, just feel it and work towards it. What is the trigger for some? I don't want it to be desperation. I don't want to hear you up telling me on the stage about your testimonial of how you were a raging alcoholic and you beat the family and they kicked you out and now you're better. I yeah. don't want that. Like I want you to come out of the crock pot fully <laughs> yeah. done. Yeah. And but there's that gap, and that, that's really I know what this podcast is about in many ways. 
but how do they get past that gap? What, what lights them up? Um, beyond our pay grade in some regards, because God has to do a work in people's lives and it doesn't always look formulaic. I mean, there's no one thing or anything like that, mm-hmm. but you did hit on something earlier that I think is really, really crucial. And that is you talked about identity and the notion is that we can set aside a false God when we confess, first of all, that we've been worshiping a false God. So that's mm. maybe step one. I got it. I got to name this puppy for what it is. I got to right. call it what it is. And so I think that's a pretty, pretty good step uh, yeah. saying, hey, yeah. that's, that's a false God. And I've been worshiping and bringing my firstborn to it. And I, I, I name that as sin. I name that as a, a rejection of the true creator and the one who loves me in Jesus Christ. And this ends. So I think confession and acknowledgement of that is, is really important. Um, and then the notion of repentance, where I need to actually rethink the way I approach life and what my identity comes from. And that, I think, is what really takes us to the heart of the gospel in the sense that when we come to, to really face what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, um, we know it's an identity-changing moment. Mm-hmm. And, and part, of a, uh, part of this is expressed, for example, Paul wrote a letter to a church in Colossae. And it's called Colossians in the New Testament. And, and he says that, um, uh, he says to these, these believers who struggle like we do, he says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on these things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. And as he goes on, I think it's really a, it's an identity-setting moment. Fix your eyes on Christ. Recognize who you are in Jesus Christ. That's your ultimate identity. You're not a vice president of operations. Mm-hmm. That's not mm-hmm. your ultimate identity. Um, you're not an electrical engineer. You're not all these things that the world says, that's who you are. And then when, when people ask who you are, you answer with your work title or what you do at work. That says that your ultimate identity is there. The, re- the, the correction is to, to, to confess what I've been doing, uh, repent, which is to rethink how I approach life and change direction. And that happens in a variety of ways with people. It's as yeah. diverse as people are, but that's the steps. That's the steps. Yeah, I, I mean, he, hearing you say that is, is, you know, I'm sure we've all we've all had we can all go through our different journeys of how we have, have arrived at places, right? Especially with this topic, and and the way you describe that is is exactly what my journey has been. It's realizing and waking up one day, not not just one day, but after being in the crockpot for quite some time, as you know, um, to figure out that I have had the order wrong, right? And, and I didn't, and I didn't have the the tools or the understanding or the, uh, you know, I didn't have the, I don't know, the guidance originally to, to open that up and to figure that out. And it had to be an investment on my part, um, to dive in and find it. Yes. You know, you, you have to be willing to do the work, so to speak. <laughs> We're talking about work, <laughs> but you have to be willing to do the work. You have to be willing to, um, create new categories for yourself, uh, come and and say what are what are the resources? Where can I? How, how can I redefine what work is? How can I redefine what my identity is? Um, there, you know, one of the great uh, books that I've come across in recent times is a book by Tim Keller, 
um, every good endeavor, which is essentially a theology of work. And we can put that in the show notes for people. Mm -hmm. But it's a good place to begin where you start saying, this redefines things for me. And how we how we get there yeah it's it's will be willing to to rethink a lot of things this uh, this is really the fundamental of repentance anyhow mm-hmm. it's changing direction um there is a, there was he's passed away now a guy named Dallas Willard who was the head of philosophy at uh, University of California Berkeley and a believer and when he talked about repentance he he summarized it as rethink my plans for living mhm and are you willing, as you, as you listen to this today, and as, as Doug and I have kind of worked through this as well, are you, are you ready to do some rethinking of your plans for living? Because yeah. uh, I think that's, a, that's, that's an essential ingredient in, in setting aside the idolatry of work. Yeah, it, it's incredibly powerful. And, and I can tell you, you, you know me, and you actually encounter me in my work life. Um, oh, I see you in action. <laughs> Baby, I've seen you. you know, I just worry sometimes that you're going to pull a hamstring or something. That, exactly, exactly. Uh, so, you, you know, it, this, this moment or, or this uh, realization doesn't necessarily make you show up to work on Monday and, uh, you know, have you sitting there sort of in a zen-like pose quoting scripture. But what 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 I think does happen is you start to you start to frame situations and conversations a different way, and the next thing you know, you are actively finding opportunities to uh, reset the order. Yes, and to say, wait yes. a minute, I realize I might have done this, but now I'm going to do that. Or go yes. ahead. Well, yeah. No, yeah. And as you're talking, that that's that's part of. You know, being a gospel-shaped person, uh, shaped by the message of Christ as our Savior, it, it has a transformative effect. So what happens when we set aside the idolatry of work or any good thing that we've made an ultimate thing, it changes it. So yeah. we can, we can, we're not saying that you become milk toast at work. We're saying that work gets transformed too. Right. And the way and the reasons and the motivations that you bring to work, they change when we look at things through the prism of our relationship with Christ. And that actually, I think it makes work great. It's beginning restoring, it's beginning of restoring work back to what it was meant to be in the original creative uh, purpose of God. And uh, it's a way to get back to the garden in a sense. Now we can tend things, we can do things, we can care for things, um, but not make it the ultimate thing. It doesn't devastate us if it doesn't work out, yes. if we don't get the promotion. And that's the transformative power of a, shape, of a life shaped by Christ. And that's, that's, the, that's where you're headed if you're taking some of this down and, and, and wanting to, uh, to, to look at a fresh way of living. Expect your approach to work not to turn you into a nothing, but to transform what you're already doing. So what you're already doing may not change at all. Right. Right, that's that's fantastic. I, I can't I can't add to that. That is the the perfect way to summarize it. It's not it's additive. It's it not is. it's it doesn't make you a monk on Monday. Uh, you know, be, quoting scripture at every turn. You can sure, no problem, I suppose. Um, but it's not that kind of a, a transformation. It's transformative though, and it, and it is give you new lenses to look at the same thing. Yeah. So you're looking at the same thing everyone else is looking at, but you're seeing it through a different lens. And that's probably where most of us have to have to get. You know, we, we have plenty of um, 
you know, plenty of expressions of how work, you know, churns us in and makes us kind of silly. I'm, I'm thinking of um, there's a Beatle lyrics uh, about junk. You know, buy, buy, buy says the sign in the shop window. Why, why, why says the junk in the yard. Um, <laughs> you know, we we don't think it's dumb or it's junk or it's worthless effort to go to work and bring our best. We just think it's 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 silly to turn it into an ultimate. We'll still bring our best, and we'll do it to the glory of Christ because that's our ultimate identity rather than, you know, hey, you're my false god of work. Come through for me. Make sure that I get what I, I want because I gave my firstborn up for you. Right, right, indeed. And if you, if you start this process, uh, we hope this, ca- this podcast is a catalyst for that, obviously, but I don't care where it comes from, whether it comes from your own introspection you reading uh, scripture and being uh, inspired, you going to church and uh, looking and listening to the message that you hear in a different way, joining a Bible study where you don't know anyone and it's kind of weird and all of a sudden they say, let's go through Romans and you say, oh, okay, I guess I'll give this a shot to slog through some of this scripture that most of us have never fully read and digested, especially with the benefit of somebody uh, like you, Mike, frankly, with uh, with the historical um, and the credentials, the historical background, the, it's a, it's an amazing, you don't, you don't need that. It's helpful. You don't need that. But when you start to do it, you're going to start having situations pop up at work and in life where you're going to pause and it's going to make you think you're going to say, I'm thinking differently. And that's when, you know, okay, something is happening here. And when you embrace that and take that to the next level and keep running with it, things will open for you. Yeah, they, that is when the lenses are transforming what you see. Mm-hmm. And I, I do like the fact that you mentioned my education and you, you kindly alluded to the fact that maybe I have answers to questions people won't pay for. Uh, I, I totally understand. I totally understand. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, uh, it's of an amazing, it's an amazing uh, thing that, that, that you bring um, for background for anyone who knows you and for any of the work that you've done. And here's the interesting thing. Since I know you in both contexts of uh, uh, the, the, a search for a deeper relationship with Christ slash work, right. normal work, mm-hmm. um, it's very interesting to see now, and I see it through a different lens of how much Scripture and belief and that relationship with Christ is injected into work every single day and most people don't even know it's happening um uh, and and by i hear it i i hear things and i hear the foundational things and various quotes and various approaches and really it does come back to in so many ways that uh amazing book of scripture um the 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 universe's first self-help book i guess is one way to look at it the ultimate and because it tells us what we're made for who we were made for really Mm-hmm. and what it means to live in light of our purpose. And uh, it, it is true that once you begin to not only transform work for yourself through understanding the gospel and the scriptures, you also get eyes to see what other people are doing. And it gives you compassion and empathy. Uh, you and I were talking earlier today, and I shared how I just greeted somebody and said, how are you doing? And they dissolved in tears. And mm-hmm. This was in a workplace. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that we have a lot of people who have given their all to work. And some are really on the edge. And mm-hmm. uh, compassion means that we, we understand what it means to, to, to serve that God. Um, 
there's a passage in the Psalm, Psalm 115, I think, verse 8, where it says that, you know, if you make an idol, you'll become like an idol. Mm-hmm. And anyone who trusts uh, trust an idol, that's ultimately what shapes you. And so you, really at, the, at some point, it's a decision of, will I be shaped by a false god or will I be shaped by the father who loves me and gave his son to be my savior? Those are two shaping influences, and choose the latter, and uh, you, you, you begin to see, ah, this is a beautiful world, and work is great, but it's not an ultimate. It's not everything I thought it was. Exactly. Well, one of the main points of this podcast, one of the main themes, is to give you, the listener that we imagine out there, um, the categories and the lenses and the sort of the box to say, to realize, wait a minute, I think I can identify with that, or I may have been in that place, I may be in the crock pot, and now I have a way of identifying. And a key thing that we need uh, to hear back from you as listeners is feedback, is questions. We need it. Um, We believe in all of our encounters that we have with random individuals here or there, in our work with businesses, in your case, especially with churches, this is real, it's felt, it's understood at some level, but categorizing it and putting it on oneself and saying, that's me, I see it, and I can actually, you know, why labels or categories are important to people. I didn't have a way to say it before. But now I do, and I can actually do something about it. That's critically important for us, uh, you know, in this work that we're doing. And again, I, I would ask you in, in our audience that continues to grow, please share that with us because we, we, need to, we need to be able to help more effectively along the way. Yeah, your questions and even your stories are essential ingredients for the Crock-Pot that we're working on. Absolutely. So bring it. Bring so, it. so yeah, and and the, and the as you know, the crock pot sometimes stays on for a really, really, really long time before the recipe, if you will, is is done. And isn't it ever really done? Sometimes when it sits for a day or two, it gets even better, right? Exactly, exactly. So uh, continue with the feedback. I I will uh, be making a couple of tweaks on the website to give more opportunities and make it easier for you to give feedback. One of the most uh, common or easy ways to do it if you want to be public with your commentary is that every every blog post that embeds the uh, uh, the episode will have Facebook comments at the bottom. So if you want to be public and comment or engage in dialogue there, that's perfectly fine. Uh, again, when you go to uh, the contact tab, I guess, on, on the website or reach us or about, you know, you'll we will make it very obvious of how to get a hold of us. Uh, there with some more, you know, again, maybe private questions or questions that you would like us to address. And I think our plans are really to have um, some additional episodes and additional content that might just focus on, um, you know, the mailbag. You, you called it something different the other day. I don't remember what it was. Do you I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. It was, it no was catchy. But so. it, was, it was catchy for a moment and then it's gone. <laughs> it was very catchy. Yeah. You know, the, the recipe, I don't know, the, the recipe book or something. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll continue to do that and build this show out to, to match, you know, again, what, what the audience, what our audience is looking for. And I, and I, feel, uh, I feel tremendously close to who this audience is because I, I am you. I was you. I am, continue to be you. And I continue to struggle with the exact same things. 
And these categories and these conversations and um, just studying the relevancy of scripture to modern life and seeing the folks around and, and knowing how many people are utilizing, uh, whether it's farm pharmaceutical drugs or the television as a drug or you name it. And, uh, you know, when, when you can identify with that and look around and say, Oh my goodness, what's happening. It affects you and stopping and thinking is step one. And then you, and then you might have something go off in your brain that says, I think I want to do some additional research. I think I want to do, do something differently. I don't think I'm getting the message at church that is waking me up. In fact, maybe everybody around me is still asleep. And that's an interesting moment as well. Yeah. We might have to save that for another episode. Absolutely. Yes. Guests, pastors, (laughs) (laughs) give us your, give us your, uh, let us select five random uh, parishioners from your church. And no, I'm teasing. I don't want to do that. But, uh, you know, again, the main purpose here is to help you through this crock pot in your journey uh, to form that tight relationship with Christ and to continue to invest in it on a regular basis through prayer, through worship, through conversation, through dialogue. However, it doesn't matter. Um, right. I, I, I'm not a good scripture guy, but I don't recall Jesus saying, go out and build me churches. Right. You know, bank me disciples. And, uh, that's, that's, that's our focus. And so, yeah, um, this is the beginning. So we're glad to have this conversation with you today. Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, think for today, we'll wrap it and, uh, appreciate your support. Appreciate you sharing your feedback. Appreciate you sending whatever comments you'd like in, and we will certainly adapt along the way. So until we meet again, stay warm inside the Crockpot. Bye for now. Crockpot Christianity is a listener-supported, disciple-making podcast and website. We sincerely appreciate your support. But more importantly, if you know someone who needs to hear the message you heard today in this podcast, please, please forward it on to them and recommend it via one of our social links. Thank you very much for your support and God bless.